seven, nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Hello, everyone. <laughs> 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 At least you're listening now. weren't paying attention before. <laughs> um, good afternoon. I'm Constitutional Attorney Catherine Henry. This is Liberty Lori, and we also have a special guest with us today in studio, shall I say, um, our, our friend Foshin, who uh, due to some internet connection uh, issues that we had last week, we wanted to make sure that you got to hear him today and we didn't have any of those technical issues. So he's joining me in my office today, um, but I'm still gonna blame him for the mess that's behind him. We're gonna act like that's nothing to do with my office because normally you guys can't see the messiest part of my office. Um, so, uh, and we'll pretend that Lori's place is totally clean because that's the only part you guys ever see of hers. So, um, <laughs> anyway, um, at least you can't see the rest of my house. Whew, that'd be a bad video. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, first of all, I want to say hello to, um, I can't even see the full screen names here, but cameras everywhere, perhaps is the name. Um, and uh, Neanderthal. Uh, Big Bad, John, EJ74, uh, Deanna, thank you all for commenting and joining us this morning or this afternoon so far. I guess it depends on what time zone you're in. Um, so uh, let's see here. Um, today we have a bit of an interesting topic and um, let's see, I'm not sure if it even... Lori, if it doesn't make, I'm going to throw you in the back just for now to see if it makes um, him any bigger. If it doesn't, oh, it does make us a little bit bigger. Okay. Lori's like, yeah, I'm in the background. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, anyway, um, we have Lori in the background. She's going to help us keep an eye on the comments. Hello to the Liberty Cause, fellow trouble, troublemaker down here in Volusia County. Um, all right. So, this has been it's it's been it's been hell on wheels for three years at least for me and it seems like wherever i go i'm picking up new freedom fighting friends that know how to get into just as much trouble as i do so uh with that being said um we uh we wanted to discuss some things that have recently been happening and um and really have a more of a um, like we did with Acura Amanda, uh, with her case and with um, um, West Palm Beach Free Press's uh, case that he has going on, just trying to answer some questions, uh, have some dialogue, do some brainstorming so that you guys can, number one, hear what uh, a real freedom fighter goes through when they are willing to put it all on the line to fight for freedom. And, um, and so get that encouragement, though, that there's other people out there besides yourself that are willing to fight for freedom and do what it takes to secure those God-given liberties, um, but also to help walk you through some of uh, what's going on in, in his new situation 
so that if you find yourself in a similar situation or someone that you know, you can help them walk through what to do, what to look for, what to expect. So it's not as scary and overwhelming because let's be honest, I'm an attorney. I've been a criminal law attorney. I've been a public defender in two different states. Uh, I should know all the ins and outs of criminal law, right? Okay, yeah, but as an attorney. So uh, for me, it was absolutely frightening to be arrested in such a violent manner and then to have to go through the, co the court process, especially when I knew they were violating all the procedures and rules and things like that. But at least I knew where to look and how to look things up and how to research. And so many of you don't that I, it's my mission to empower you to be able to represent yourself, to be able to fight for your own self and for those around you. So you can keep that freedom fight going because the greater freedom fight we know uh, you're risking when you do that, you're risking being arrested or cited or, you know, a number of other things. So anyway, today we're going to get into all of that. Um, yes. And hello to all of, um, uh, to all of those of you who are joining us and continuing to join us on YouTube and the other platforms as well. So today's topic in case, uh, you didn't catch it yet is so you've been arrested. Now what? Um, again, super scary, even for those of us who are <laughs> criminal defense attorneys and been there, done that for many years. So what, like I said, what I want to do today is hear from a fabulous freedom fighter and government exposer about, uh, what's going on. So we're going to hear from him about that. Then we're going to take a look into it. So we're going to dive into what really constitutes an arrest, uh, because, uh, it's a little bit more clear cut for him. But for people that have been in more of my situation in what happened in Allegan County on election day, 2020, um, they were telling people that I wasn't arrested when we, when I was live streaming the, the whole thing and some other people were Facebook, uh, live streaming it. Uh, we started getting tons and tons of calls into the Allegan County jail and the sheriff's department, et cetera, the prosecutor's office. Uh, court and everybody was, you know, all up in arms, which is good. That's what we need to do. We need to be able to have each other's backs for that. But unfortunately, they started lying to the people that were calling and saying, oh, you don't need to come down. She's not arrested. She hasn't been arrested. Oh, no, no, no. She was just released. And uh, so we're going to talk about what actually constitutes an arrest. So you know what triggers your rights in that manner. Then we need to talk about what happens once you've been arrested. So if you find yourself and it can happen in the blink of an eye. I mean, you don't even have to be an active freedom fighter. You don't have to be someone who categorizes yourself as a First Amendment auditor or constitutional attorney to find yourself in these situations. You could simply just be a person who's essentially in the wrong place at the wrong time and all of a sudden find yourself just trying to stand your ground to just breathe and exist and whatever. And, you know, shit, it's the fan. So um, you need to know ahead of time what happens when you've been arrested. So if you find yourself in lockup and you're not sure who to place that first phone call to or how it all works or what the next process would be, I want to give you that information now. So it's at least rolling around somewhere up there in your brain and then what your next steps should be. And of course, it's always much easier to do that when you have a real life example and you can walk through. Okay. So th if this is the situation, what exactly do you do next? So 
like I said, I want to then use this opportunity after we kind of go through some of those basics and we've heard from him on, on what happened. Uh, and if you think, oh, I saw last week's episode, I already know. No, no, you don't know. This has nothing to do with last week's episode. Um, anyway, we're going to then go into brainstorming and answering questions from him, from you. Uh, basically, just trying to get everything out there to figure out how to initially fight back when you've been unlawfully arrested or quite frankly even if you've been lawfully arrested but you might have you know some other um grounds to stand on now as always our true or false question of the week has been posted to telegram and youtube the question this week you may be excluded from property open to the public through the use of trespass laws in other words it's possible to commit the crime of trespassing on property open to the general public it's a true or false and yes it's a simple true or false statement uh, direct D, if you happen to be watching, uh, I if or if you're not direct D and you're somebody who's just been watching the comments back and forth on my YouTube community page today, um, check out the discussion back and forth. Um, I was kind of in a hurry to get an answer out back to you and get back ready for this episode. So I feel like I might not have explained myself clearly or um, addressed what your concern or question was essentially uh, that well, but I'd love to have a more full dialogue on that. Um, of course, I didn't want to give out the answer in writing on YouTube ahead of 10 p.m. because that defeats the purpose of doing the poll. But obviously, as it is every week, we're going to go over the answer extensively in today's episode. And it's important that you know the answer to this. It really is. Not just uh, if talking to you as an uh, direct D, but everyone, it's important no matter what state you live in that you know the answer to this because it's uh, it's going to make uh, a difference. Um, okay, so, um, so like I said, first thing we're going to do is we're going to hear from our fabulous freedom fighter friend and government exposer about his most recent battle against ignorance and tyranny. And uh, you might have noticed that um oh no he's doing a good job i guess i shouldn't say right here um i was like you might have noticed that he's uh in two different shots because he is uh in the room uh i almost said with dr bloom if any of you have been watching a million little things you'll understand why that's a funny joke but anyway uh he's in the room with me here but uh anyway um let us know if you guys have any issues with hearing him but we had to turn off his mic so we don't have the feedback so he's going to be actually being audio audibly picked up by my mic so let us know if you can't hear him but at any rate um all right mr foshan please take it oh first uh if any of you are new to my channel or just haven't been on the episodes that we've been talking about foshan and his work um his youtube channel i'm sure Lori will throw it in the comments if she hasn't already but just as a reminder if you go to this is a public service on youtube it's on there as well uh and you know so he's got his own channel um and uh, it's not the size of the audit, it's the motion of the motion. <laughs> I'm not sure what to take from that. So thank you, Lori, for putting that up um, <laughs> and throw me off. And I noticed even though she's backstage, she still turned her camera off. So she can't, I can't see her laughing at me or whatever she's doing back there. Um, all right. So uh, with that being said, uh, he also has a Facebook page, just not as active. Uh, I do have a Facebook page. Yep. This is a public service. Okay. So check them out on those two platforms and you don't quite have a, a website up yet, right? Correct. That's right. I don't. Okay. So look for him on YouTube 
and Facebook, and uh, if I'm not mistaken, his YouTube description of the channel. He has all kinds of links to if you want to donate to his cause and the work that he's doing, and you know other links to other things. How to reach him. So his main point of contact uh, basically is YouTube. So this is a public service, is that channel. But uh, we call him Foshin. So um, yeah, make sure you guys are letting us know if you cannot hear him. Um, and Lori, don't be afraid to pop back in and just say, hey, Foshin, you got to speak up or whatever. If if uh, no, you think it's, it's harder to hear him. So um, okay, so it says a little bit low. So I'm just going to I don't know where even my mic is. I was going to move out of the way to I'll get speak you. I'll up. It's all right. Okay. So what, uh, go ahead and take it away and tell us what happened recently with these pseudonymed, <laughs> I guess the cloaked details as necessary, but uh, let us know what happened after last week's show when we were talking about the other situation. Yeah. So, uh, you know, anybody that pays attention to my channel knows kind of where, where I've been going and what I've been doing. But, uh, you know, I, I go uh, ahead of places and, you know, things happen before I, I publish them, obviously. So, um, I, I was trespassed from, uh, city hall. Uh, I was trespassed for, from city hall for, uh, for videotaping, um, for the act of videotaping. I had gone into city hall to understand the, official complaint process to file a complaint against an employee of the city. And uh, I started in the clerk's office and then I went to the mayor's office and then I went to the commission office uh, all the while just trying to understand if anybody else, one, understood their complaint process and so that I could actually um, so that I could actually file a complaint. And um, shocker, uh, nobody knows how to file a complaint against an employee. Uh, there, nobody knows about the official process of the city and, um, the city employees he's talking about yeah, anywhere city in the city building. And if you ask somebody how to make a complaint, those are the people he's talking about. Don't know the answer to the question, not just the average Joe on the street, but the city employees themselves. So anyway. Yeah. So, uh, so somebody, uh, somebody called the police and, uh, police showed up with the building security manager, um, and the building security manager notified me that I was not allowed to videotape and that I was being trespassed from the building. Um, so they, I believe at that point, they asked me for some identification and I asked them if I was being detained. Uh, when they told me, no, I, uh, I walked from where I was standing on the third floor out to the rotunda, the public area in city hall. Um, from, from that point, um, I, I asked if, um, I asked if this was a traditional public forum. Um, I'm not sure if the questions I was asking are the right questions to ask, but I asked them nonetheless, um, because I wanted to understand why, why it was that I was being removed from the building because you know, really, I, I was, uh, well, first of all, I wasn't even video recording. Um, I had a camera in my hand, but I was not video recording. So uh, they removed me from a building uh, because they believe I was recording, even though I wasn't recording. Um, I think that's the, uh, I think that's the, the gist of it, uh, Catherine. Um, I think so, too. Um and the so and 
correct me if I'm wrong, I had way too many things in my brain rolling and I didn't remember if you said this. Did you mention that um, the arrest was for, um, that happened two days after you had been there to obtain, you were there try, just trying to do your, what you normally do the, the first time you were there, right? That's correct. I was just there to do, uh, I was actually just there to do a public records request and uh, when, when I kind of found out that they were going to make that process as uh, difficult and uh, annoying as possible, uh, I decided that I was going to take a tour of the whole building because, you know, I have, I have a right to do that as well. It's a public building. It's open to the public. I was in a public area at all times. Um, you know, these are, um, you know, these are our buildings. They're, they're not... They're not the government's buildings to um, to tell us that we're not allowed to enter them. So, um, <clears throat> and that's a good point that I'm going to kind of skip um, some of what I was going to talk about and just kind of address that real quick with you guys. Um, and I do talk a little bit about that later, but I didn't flesh out this full point. I do have a brief that is not brief um, at all. It's long. But it was in my court of appeals. I filed it in the Michigan Court of Appeals in um, two years ago when I was uh, battling my case of the criminal trespassing um, from Election Day 2020. And um, I pointed out several court cases that explain um, and kind of clarify that the First Amendment um, doesn't give us full, you know, free reign over every building that the government owns. But what it does do is it secures a, an equal right of access. So if it is a publicly accessible building, it's publicly accessible, period. So in other words, it, it, it makes sense if you think about it, because there are, you know, maximum security prisons. Uh, there's, you know, flight control towers at airports. Um, there's, uh, I don't know, uh, uh, municipal owned hospitals and their operating rooms. Those are just three examples off the top of my head you don't want the anybody off the street to be able to walk into those places and screw with, you know, flight controls or, you know, to walk into somebody's surgery just because it's a municipal owned hospital or something like that. Right. Um, because in, in some of those instances, it's a direct invasion of your privacy if you're the patient or it's a direct, uh, you know, uh, health and safety risk. If, if, you know, somebody's going to mess with the, uh, you know, your airplane's ability to take off or land safely without interference. Um, uh, you know, maximum security prisons, um, although a lot of us have come to realize uh, how horrible our justice system is in general and all kinds of innocent people that get locked up and guilty people that go free and everything. That's beside the point of saying that there are still, nonetheless, dangerous, um, deadly criminals uh, in facilities that we, quite frankly, don't, we can't just have that building openly accessible to the public because that means it would also be easily accessible for people to leave that need to stay there. Um, but likewise, too, it's not something when somebody's serving their time, it's not supposed to be set up like it's a zoo where people can come in and watch them be in lockup. I mean, what kind of Eighth Amendment violation would that be? So anyway, there are some reasons why certain government buildings uh, or facilities would be, you know, um, uh, more restricted, but obviously, uh, should go without saying he wasn't in one of those. He's not trying to go to some, you know, nuclear, nuclear power plant or whatever, or, 
you know, the inner inner offices of, you know, the FBI or something like that. He's not he's not there. We're talking about, you know, typical publicly accessible types of buildings, city halls or, you know, um, you know, foyers of a police station or of a whatever, right? We're talking about the places that are open to all, open to the general public. So, um I mean, right? That's right. Okay. Want well, to make sure I didn't speak out of turn there on that, but okay. No, I mean, just to be clear, I don't break the law. I, I go out of my way to comply with the law. My, uh, I'm not doing any of this to to be lawless or anything like that. I I want to make sure that the people that we're paying to to respect our rights are actually respecting our rights. Right. And, um, okay. So I see there's some good discussion. One thing I'm going to tell you guys that are commenting and talking about court cases, we're actually going to go over some court cases today. Um, even though I, I generally try to not rely too heavily on them, uh, we are going to talk about some because they clarify things a little bit easier, but here's something you need to remember, no matter who you are, whether you're just getting started and understanding politics and government and the constitution, or whether you're a seasoned freedom fighter and you've been representing yourself on many cases for many years and you have tons of wins under your belt, everybody alike, you need to understand case precedent is not law. So really case law is a fiction in the United States. It, it exists in other countries like England, okay, in, in the United Kingdom, whatever. Uh, it does not exist here. There's no case law because judges don't get to make law. It's one of the most basic things we have to understand in our constitution is the separation of powers. Um, so we also need to not rely heavily on those case precedents because although they can be helpful, we need to turn to the constitution first for everything we have a question on. If it's not in there, uh, then you turn to statutes. If it's not in there, you might turn to your local ordinances or whatever. Um, case precedent really should come last because we as a country, as an entire country with the media and the public and the politicians, everyone, the attorneys, everyone has been relying on cases and this case law, as they call it, for way too many years, for way too many things. And uh, a friend of mine, Maya Han, uh, recently shared a, a Facebook memory that popped up for her that was when she was recording or live streaming uh, me speaking in um, Rosa Parks Circle, Grand Rapids, Michigan, uh, May 18th, 2020, 2020. And um, I was talking about some things and I used some terms that I'm like, ooh, I cringed at like, why did I say it like that? I later explained things a little bit more, but same thing as like constitutional rights. Most of our rights that we think about are inherent God-given rights. They're not government created or constitution created rights. There are a few that are specific to how uh, our government functions that I guess you could just call constitutional rights. But for the most part, they're natural rights. They're, they're God's law and they're just reinforced and specifically protected and secured by the constitution. But at any rate, okay. So just keep that in mind. Cases are not law. Even though we will talk about a few today, cases are not law. All right. So, um, and I'll just throw this on there. Melanie from YouTube says, I reject the idea that we need to know case law to be free. Again, uh, I agree with that. We don't need to know cases. We need to know the constitution because we need to understand 
the specific protections for us that guarantee us the freedom and use of those rights that God gave to us. Um, cases often, it's basically just learning to speak their language. That's what I find most useful about cases. If I'm going to go into court, um, I'm going to start with the constitution. I'm going to start with the statutes, but when you can just tell that you're dealing with a judge or, you know, some other members of the legal process that only seem to hear cases, they don't seem to let anything else sink in, then fine, use the cases to help them understand what's going on and what the truth is. Um, so they they have a use, but by all means, do you not you don't need cases. You need to know the underlying points from the cases that I'm going to tell you today. But again, it's just reiterating what's already true without the cases themselves. Um, all right, so if you do, <laughs> um, okay, anyway, lots of good comments there. I'm going to go on to. So what is an arrest? No doubt about it. Nobody, the state, you know, <clears throat> the city involved, uh, Foshin, myself, nobody who's known anything about his new situation that's just happened in the last few days, no one's going to doubt or argue that there was an arrest. When you're in lockup, that's an arrest. Um, but it's important, like I explained a little bit ago, for you guys to still understand when it becomes an arrest so that you know when certain rights are triggered, when you're allowed to you know, do certain things or specifically have the right to not do certain things. Um, and so anyway, I grabbed this from the Cornell Legal Information Institute, LII. Um, they have a lot of great stuff. Um, so I didn't write all this. Um, but the biggest thing on here is to realize that an arrest is the use of legal authority to deprive a person of their freedom of movement. Now, the sad thing is it says legal authority. And well, what happens then if it's an unlawful arrest? There's no legal authority. But you get the point is where somebody is at least pretending to use legal authority to um, deprive someone of their freedom of movement. Now, notice deprive someone of their freedom of movement is the main operative phrase here. It's not throw them in lockup. It's not even having to put them in handcuffs or in a car. If you're detaining someone, detaining them, not letting them move about freely as they would otherwise, that is an arrest. Um, and an arrest is generally made with an arrest warrant. I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to go too far. I think I might be going too far, but, uh, yeah, let me just hold off a second. So what happens? What, once you've been arrested? Um, yeah, I'm going to come back to the thought about, uh, arrest because, uh, Foshin doesn't know all the wonderful things I'm going to throw at him today that he's going to be able to use in a motion to dismiss. It's like a whole goodie basket that I've prepared in this slideshow for him. Um, and I'm trying not to spill the beans too early. But at any rate, um, so the first step after an arrest uh, is in a criminal case, the first step is a court appearance called an arraignment. And we've talked about this before, but I just wanted to hammer on this. So what exactly is the arraignment? Well, it's where the charges are read to the defendant before the judge. So it, it, sometimes in some jurisdictions, it's actually just the judge that reads the charges. Uh, in, in some instances, it's the prosecution, uh, what have you, it might be a court clerk or something, given whatever the scenario is. But um, an official member of the court proceedings has to read the defendant, the charges, and typically let them know what the penalty, the possible penalties are. And even if the prosecution's not asking for jail time, for example, if the law, if the statute supposedly broken allows for, 
you know, up to a year in jail, for example, they have to let the defendant know what the possible penalties are and um, essentially what it is that they're claiming, you know, what facts are they claiming led to uh, supposedly breaking the law? Because you have to be able to put on uh, an actual defense. So it's part of the notice and opportunity to be heard. All right. So at an arraignment, a lawyer is typically appointed uh, if the defendant cannot afford one. So as a public defender, that's why I wouldn't come in at arraignment. I would come in at the uh, before the pretrial stage, um, after arraignment, before pretrial. So my first court appearance for my client was typically pretrial. Um, and uh, the defendant's plea, guilty, not guilty, no contest, is entered. So um, at this point, um, let me ask, because I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not sure that I did ask. Um, I assume you've already been arraigned, Foshan, is that right? I have not, no. Oh, they released you without an arraignment. Mm -hmm. Okay. Interesting. Yeah, so if I would have stayed in jail uh, overnight, they would have arraigned me the next morning, but uh, I, I wasn't interested in having my freedom uh, taken for a second longer than it had already been stolen from me. Okay, so I assume that means they made you post a bond? That's correct. Okay, so sometimes, in, in some cases, there is a... Um, a personal recognizance bond where you essentially aren't having to post any money whatsoever. Um, some jurisdictions do it really weird. So for example, in my case, I want to say they set like a, say a 200 or $600 bond, but it was personal recognizance. So even though it set a dollar amount in my Allegan County case, they didn't end up actually making me post that bond. I'm not sure what the heck the purpose of that is, if they're not going to follow through on that. So um, even as an attorney, even as someone who's been doing this as a profession and dealt with it personally for a lot of years, I still don't understand why they jump through all these hoops or, or make it such a circus as they do. But at any rate, um, the bond is something that as soon as you have gone to either that one court appearance, depending on what the situation is, um, like if it's a show cause hearing uh, to show cause why you should not be held in contempt of violating a court order, for example. Typically, if you just go to that one hearing when you're supposed to, you get the bond uh, paid back to you, refunded to you. Um, with this, it's it's for the whole case. So typically, it's going to be that he wouldn't get that back, uh, that money back until the trial has concluded or the case has been dismissed some other way. Um, okay, so... Um, Moving on, what your next step should be. So essentially understanding what that arraignment is. Um, so what constitutes an arrest? What is the What happens once you've been arrested? And what your next step should be. Um, here's some stuff. These tan slides, I'm, I'm going to try to breeze through. They're actually from a, a presentation I gave to you guys. It could have even been maybe in season one. I don't even remember which one I grabbed these from. But I, these are actually from... Uh, my own case, but they're completely relevant to his case and definitely going to be relevant to many of you, depending on what situation you might find yourself in. Now, I will say that a lot of the citations, um, I tried to only grab the U.S. Supreme Court one. So no matter what state you're in, they'll definitely apply. You could just grab the site and run with it. A few of them, I did end up grabbing uh, a Michigan court case. And so if that's the, the situation, but you think it's something that's helpful, uh, then trust me, just Google some of these um, basic terms and you'll be able to find a court case from your own state that says the same thing. Because these are universal concepts. Subject matter jurisdiction is required in every court in every state in our country. 
You can't have, no judge can exercise jurisdiction or issue orders without subject matter jurisdiction. The, the easiest example of subject matter jurisdiction that I've given people before is if you have a federal bankruptcy court judge and one of the parties, um, you know, the parties decide now they're going to get divorced. One of the parties can't try to bring the divorce, file the divorce action in the same bankruptcy court because that bankruptcy court judge is a federal court bankruptcy judge who has no subject matter jurisdiction to deal with family law issues whatsoever. So that's my easiest example to give to you guys. It's about the subject. It's not about personal jurisdiction. Like I've never been in the state of California. California can exercise no jurisdiction over me. I don't do business in California, even online, whatever, you know, I just stay out of California. Um, that would be more of a personal jurisdiction. Uh, we've talked about some of those things before. If you have further questions on that, please check out, um, go to our website, type in some of those subjects and you'll see some of the prior videos and other documents and things pull up and, and give you more information from there. But a trial court must dismiss a case where there is a lack of subject matter jurisdiction and a party cannot be stopped from raising the issue. Okay, so that is from a Michigan Court of Appeals case, but I guarantee you, you will find that very concept in case precedent from your own state, no matter what state you're in, because that's a universally required thing is subject matter jurisdiction. So if, if you waited to the last possible minute in a court case, whether it's the first thing you do or the last thing you do, maybe you even have gone through trial and now, you know, you had your trial two weeks ago and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't know what to do. The court doesn't even have jurisdiction. What? I didn't know that I could raise that issue. My attorney was crap or I didn't have an attorney, whatever. Subject matter jurisdiction, you can even raise on appeal after a conviction or whatever. So keep that in mind. You can raise that. In fact, I guess I was getting ahead of myself. This kind of lack of jurisdiction, subject matter jurisdiction, can be raised at any time and it cannot be waived. It's not something that you could just say, oh, it's okay. We don't need jurisdiction here. So something else that's important to realize is that uh, and, and this was a Michigan Supreme Court case, but again, this is a concept that would be universal. So just find uh, this concept in your own state's uh, jurisprudence if you want to use this. Um, some of it might even be in court rules. It might be in the state constitution. It might be in state laws. You never know. But uh, it, it is applicable to every state. And that is that the practical result of successfully challenging subject matter jurisdiction is to prevent a trial from taking place at all rather than to prescri prescribe procedural rules to govern the conduct of trial. So it's not like saying, oh, well, we're just not gonna let certain evidence in, or you know, that witness can't talk about certain topics, or maybe we'll sequester or separate our witnesses. It's not a procedural thing. If a court does not have subject matter jurisdiction, they are supposed to throw the case out before it ever goes to trial because that is that is essentially what the practical result should always be if there's no subject matter jurisdiction. Okay, so it's like ding, 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 wins the whole case every time if there's no subject matter jurisdiction. In fact, if a judge hangs on to a case, continues, allows a case, civil or criminal, to continue and they don't have subject matter jurisdiction and they issue orders or judgments, those judgments would be void void. And this is from a United States Supreme Court case. Um, so the reason, uh, if you look at after that, what does this mean? That means judges in the United States of every single state, of every single level, county, judges, circuit, ju judges, district, probate, whatever. Every single judge in the United States should be alert to examine the facts for himself 
when if true as alleged, they make the trial absolutely void. So looking at the situation, looking at that example for uh, just to give you that um, that clear cut example of, gee, this is a divorce proceeding that this guy is bringing and I'm a bankruptcy court judge. I don't have jurisdiction. I need to look at the facts and the laws and see what's happening and, and dismiss this case from this court if it's not the appropriate court to bring it up. Or maybe it's not the issue of an appropriate court. Maybe it's something that just can't be uh, pursued as a crime or whatever, ever. That may come up later in our topic today. Um, okay. Um, and CFRs are not crimes. And we went a little bit about that last week. I'm just commenting on somebody's comment on YouTube. Um, all crimes are not commercial. CFRs are not laws is what I meant to say. Sorry. CFR, the fact that they enacted CFRs is a crime, but, um, CFRs themselves are not laws. They are the code of federal regulations. And, uh, we talked about that in depth last week. Um, and the slideshow really helps to pull some information together about that. There has to be a specific underlying, in fact, it's relevant here too, because it's the same issue, uh, the underlying issue that led to both the citations we talked about in last week's episode and the arrest we're talking about in a different jurisdiction in this week's episode. Um, it's the same underlying thing. There's some sort of rule at a government building that you can't take photos or, or videos in a public place. Well, one of them was at a federal court building. So we were talking about CFRs because that's what they're supposedly trying to charge him with. And the other that we're talking about, I don't even know. It, it was posted on the entrance. That's all that the police report said. So I'm not sure if there was even a, a reference to um, a city ordinance or something of that nature. But um, as far as I know, they're just saying, no, there's just a sign that said you can't. You know, somebody on their lunch break decided to make a pretty picture of, you know, no recording and they stuck it up on the door and that's what we're going with. And all of a sudden that leads to a trespass case. No, that's not. Um, anyway, we'll get into that. I'm going to try to not <laughs> talk about too many things at once. So just as important as it would be for Foshan to have these resources, I think it would be important for you. All the topics that we're talking about today, if you think gosh, why is she not going into too much detail about that? That seems important. I'd like to know more about that or whatever. Um, or even if you're someone that likes to antagonize people or just uh, come on someone else's channel to give them a hard time and say that they're not you know, fully explaining things. Let me put it this way. There's so much involved in this analysis or this discussion. I can't possibly get through it all because, uh, well, I need to be done before lunchtime. I'm hungry. Okay. Um, and so um, what I want to do is give you, not just refer you back to prior episodes in, in the slideshow that will be released on Thursday, that is on the screen right now, you'll see there's hyperlinks right there that lead you to either the videos or to the slideshows from prior episodes that talk about motions to dismiss, um, my trespass case being dismissed, um, general overcoming self-representation roadblocks, five most common pretrial motions. Uh, the one we talked about where a motion has been filed in your case. Now what? The differences between trials, evidentiary hearings, and motion hearings. And what we talked about last week uh, was still very relevant, um, even though it's a totally different situation, totally different set of charges, to totally different jurisdiction. Uh, it's still very relevant uh, in most respects to what we're talking about this week from last week. So anyway, that is there for you guys. Just wanted to let you know. Uh, hold on. 
there is a question. I'm just going to throw it on the screen. Um, they didn't put us in a constitutional court from the start. So how is it even lawful? Okay, that is a rabbit hole. I If we go down that right now, I'm not even... Uh, I mean, no disrespect, but I'm not going to be able to get back in a timely fashion to the topic at hand. I just had to throw it on there to let my mind uh, absorb what your question was. And it's a much bigger question um, discussion anyway. So um, I'm going to put a pin on that question just to get back to this. So a motion to dismiss um, is a request that the court dismiss the case, throw the whole case out because of a variety of reasons. You can use these in civil or criminal cases, despite what the judge in my case said in Allegan County. Um, but typically in a criminal sense, it's because there's some sort of procedural defect. Now I left in here, these purple ones are also from prior slides. So I'm not going to go into detail, but there are 10 main reasons in every state why you um, would file um, uh, a motion to dismiss, e either in a civil context or a criminal context. And so I'm just going to go back to the, the last of those. Um, it, I gave you the Michigan court rule, um, the uh, federal rule of civil procedure for federal cases, uh, the Florida rules um, about motions and defenses. So anyway, giving you a little sampling of Michigan, Florida, and um, I did not pull the Florida court rule, the Florida criminal rules of procedure. I didn't pull those up for that last um, when I made these slides. And uh, so I don't have that off the top of my head either. But at any rate, so that is is in there for you guys. Now, back to that information from Cornell Legal Information Institute. Talking about when you're arrested, and this is where I was trying not to get too far ahead of myself. So an arrest is generally made with an arrest warrant. An arrest may be made without a warrant. Let's pause here. Foshan, did they get a warrant and serve you with a warrant before they arrested you? They did not, no. So it was a warrantless arrest. So an arrest may be made without a warrant if probable cause and exigent circumstances are present at the time of the arrest. So probable cause. Well, what is that? It's a very low standard, okay? It's a reasonable belief that a police officer of the police officer in the guilt of the suspect based on the facts and information they have prior to making the arrest. Not what they discover afterwards, but of all the information they know up until that point, do they believe uh, that the um, person being arrested has actually committed a crime? That's the probable cause part. So I would say they didn't have probable cause. We'll get into that in a minute. Uh, but even assuming they did, Okay. Even assuming they did. And, and this works for my case too. If you guys have seen the arrest video from me where I was violently arrested in front of my six-year-old daughter, this would be the same thing too. So there was no probable cause for him or for me. Uh, but even if it, there was probable cause, what about that other situation? And, and I want you guys to read this slide when I release it on Thursday. We just don't have time to, to go into a little bit more of this, but um, I'll just point out this. A warrantless arrest may be invalidated if the police officer failed to demonstrate exigent circumstances and probable cause. Both are required to have that warrantless arrest. So um, now why am I talking about this? Okay, so general steps in the criminal process. You have the investigation, then you have the charging, then you have an initial hearing or arraignment, you'd have some discovery, plea bargaining, maybe a preliminary hearing, some pretrial motions, and then trial. That's generally the steps of a criminal case, right? So if you have a warrantless arrest, you're basically going uh, and taking the investigation and blending it right on into the charging and trying to skip some of those steps. 
Those are supposed to be two separate bullet points for a reason. And uh, you can look at, of course, the U.S. Constitution talking about uh, probable cause needed and everything else. Um, but exigent circumstances, what is that? Generally speaking, it's an emergency situation. Foshan, was, uh, were you causing an emergency situation? No, I was not. No, I didn't think so. I wasn't there, but it didn't seem like it. I read the police report, by the way, guys. So I'm reading it from the, the lens of the officer, okay? An emergency situation requiring swift action to prevent imminent danger to life or serious damage to property. As far as you know, Foshan, was there even an allegation that anyone's life or property was being threatened with danger or damage? No, there was not. I didn't think so. Doesn't read that way in the police report either. Um, or to forestall the imminent escape of a suspect, that's kind of a, a given that you weren't trying to escape if they're saying you have to leave and you're saying, can I just stay here? It sounds like the opposite of an escape. Destruction of evidence. Uh, gee. As far as I know, again, this is the opposite. What they were thinking you were doing was creating evidence. You were preserving a record. You were creating a video of what was transpiring on publicly accessible property owned by the government, right? That's what they believed, yes. So, and and those that was the basis for them making the criminal charge, which I think we said out loud, but it's a charge of trespassing, if we didn't say that out loud. Um, so the reason being, and ladies and gentlemen, I, I'm telling you, this is not, I didn't just take his word for it or whatever. You know, I like to read documents myself to make sure that I'm uh, getting all the pieces that I need and going straight to the source. That's, that's what I prefer to do in any kind of situation in life, but certainly in the law. And so I read the charging document. I read the arrest affidavit, okay? Uh, the police report that was made afterwards. And it says nothing other than, he was told he can't record. He was told he can't record, but he had a phone out or a camera out. And um, and so therefore we're arresting him for trespassing because the people managing the building, the security told him he couldn't record and that if he didn't leave because he had been recording, then he would receive criminal trespass charges. Now let's pause on that. From my reading of the report, this isn't, I don't know if they told him something different, so he's going to clarify it for me. But from my reading of the report, once they were all in a tizzy that he had been recording, at least that they thought he had been recording, they didn't give him the option to stop recording and remain on the premise. They said, you just have to leave. Otherwise, you will be arrested. Is that correct? I believe that's accurate. Yes. Now, not to say that he had to stop if there was no legal reason for them to stop him from recording. That's not to say that he had to at that point. If it's an unlawful order, it's an unlawful order. But interesting that they didn't even give him the option. If it's, It, it just demonstrates it's all about the recording. It's not about being somewhere where he doesn't have the authority to be. It's about what he was doing, which is the same thing in my own case because the cops, if you watch my arrest video, uh, which is right on the front page of my website, you can hear the cops saying, at one point when they already had me in handcuffs, I said, at least let me go and vote. 
I was actually on the ballot that day. That was the same day I was arrested and then elected the same day. And so I wanted the option of being able to vote for myself. And actually I was, um, anyway, so I, I asked them, well, at least let me go and vote. And they said, oh, is this your precinct? And I said, no, this is not my precinct. And they said back to me, see, then you don't have any business here. So it was what I was doing at this government property open to the general public, not the fact that I was there. And we were both given the same charges, one from a Michigan statute, the other from a Florida statute, but they're virtually the same. And the result is the same that we'll go over in just a minute. So uh, just as with his case, my case was the same, no imminent danger to life. No one's life was being threatened. No one even claimed they thought being threatened. There was no damage to any property whatsoever from anybody in any part of the situation uh, for either of our cases. Uh, no imminent escape. We're both standing our ground saying we had the legal right to be there and no destruction of evidence. We were both, uh, well, he, they thought he was recording. Um, so he was trying to create evidence in their mind. I actually was live streaming. So there was evidence. Um, creating evidence, not destroying it. So definitely important distinctions to make here. So in other words, were there exigent circumstances? Doesn't sound like it to me. Now, I left this in here. I'm not going to go over it, but there's um, actually most mostly Foshin. I left this purple slide in here, maybe one more for you, because these are things that you can grab and use in emotion, talking specifically about uh, exigent circumstances and probable cause and how they work together. And just so you can help explain it to the court, how the officer here screwed up big time. Now, guys, this is stuff you can find. Now, I know the hard part for you guys is discerning what's true and what's not. There's so much information out there. Um, I always like to go right to the statutes myself, but for the purposes of throwing together the slideshow and explaining things to you, I didn't pull a lot of actual statutes for today because as you'll see by the time we get to the end, there's 67 freaking slides, okay? I just didn't have the time to do that. Too many important concepts, and that's why I have a lot of hyperlinks and things like that in the slideshow for you guys to access later. But, um, okay, hold on a second. Uh, Lori was trying to get my attention here by posting... Um, Where I'm at, they, they always say you injured the cops when they arrest you and they give you battery charges. Okay, so yeah, so this person is saying, it looks like shockproof on YouTube is saying that where they are, whatever jurisdiction they live in, when they arrest you for anything, they always say, oh, I'm as a cop, I was injured by arresting you. And so now I'm going to give you battery charges. You've been battering a law enforcement officer on top of the underlying charge. That sucks. And that's a good reason to have body cams. Um, and that's another important reason why we need First Amendment auditors, people exactly like West Palm Beach Free Press, if I'm still getting his name right, and um, Acura Amanda. That's, uh, in my understanding, that's the bulk of what they do is that, you know, they see uh, an incident happening, an arrest being made or what have you, and they walk up upon the scene, not really having any prior knowledge of anything and go, whoa, let's just record to make sure everything's on the up and up for everybody involved. And that's why we need more people like that. More people like you, if you have a cell phone, if you have a GoPro, if you have an actual camera, all those other things, you know, but shoot, if you have a freaking cell phone, you can do this. You can help to preserve the truth and let the truth see the light because whoever you might come across, some stranger you don't even know, they're probably going to need your help. Our system is that broken right now at any rate. And it could be the cops that need the help. 
because we know there's a lot of bad people that twist and turn things and try to throw the cops under the bus when they are not doing wrong. I used to be a thin blue line shirt wearing supporter myself. Um, but of course now it's just, it's to the point where we have bad people on both sides, <laughs> on all sides. And it's, it's a CYA thing. That's why you need to be recording at any rate. This was from another attorney. Um, that talked about this, saying that Florida case precedent has stated that an exigent circumstance is uh, when the need for a police officer to act is imperative and there is no time in which to secure a warrant. Gee, guys, I don't know about you, but I don't think that applies to, to Foshin here standing there peacefully with his video equipment. He's not getting in the way of anybody else receiving services. He's uh, not even actually recording. But um, just the fact that they thought they were being recorded, that's what they're claiming was, you know, so important that he had to be arrested without a warrant. In a recent Florida Supreme Court case, and the link to the case directly is that this hyperlink right here. So you guys will see that on Thursday. Uh, the right of the police to violate the Fourth Amendment due to exigent circumstances requires the review of one more factor. And this is good for us, guys because it's actually common sense. And what is the factor? To look at the severity of the crime that the fleeing suspect is being pursued for. You could tell I didn't write this because this dude is using prepositions at the end of his sentences, but it is an attorney that wrote this summary. At any rate, um, talking about specifically a fleeing suspect, Foshin, you weren't fleeing, right? I was not. Okay, so already not applicable. And the severity of the crime, assuming it is a crime, and it's trespassing onto public property open to the general public during business hours. Even if that was a crime, where is the severity? Where is there an injured party? Where is there a victim? Exactly. So, um, Anyway, just something to keep in mind and look at. Um, again, some of the stuff, let's be honest, guys, I, I put it in here uh, maybe just for Foshin or for those of you that are literally in the midst of a case right now and need help putting something together. Um, I did leave a couple of these cases in from last week because, again, his trespass case, just the same as with mine. Mine was about um, uh, a resolution passed by the township. Well, in his situation, it was about um, a supposed rule that we don't know if it was an ordinance, a resolution, just somebody, some poster somebody put on a wall, who knows uh, if there's even any attempt at having authority behind it. But where, where the city hall supposedly says you can't bring in a camera past the security checkpoint. Um, and so, again, if you want to... Um, if you want to have a situation like that where it's a CFR, so the, the Code of Federal Regulations, or if it's a local regulation, whatever, look at this case we talked about last week. The Supreme Court made it clear, actually in two different cases, uh, that a criminal conviction for violating a regulation is permissible only if a statute explicitly provides that a violation of that regulation is a crime. So we'd have to see what, you know, in the charging documents, they'd have to say what law made it a crime for him to violate the sign that said you can't record. It's not the trespassing statute in Florida. So again, I haven't actually had the pleasure of seeing, well, I don't know, a warrant because there was no warrant, um, but I haven't seen any arraignment documents or any charging documents themselves. I've seen the police report. Um, you might've sent me other stuff. I don't 
I don't remember if I looked at everything yet, but at any rate, guys, from what I've seen, I have not seen any statute that says it is a crime for him to record at City Hall. Keep that in mind. He was charged with criminal trespass, but that's a distinction. It's totally different. It's a different set of elements. And for those of you who are giving me trouble, <clears throat> Directy uh, and other YouTubers, uh, who are giving me trouble about thinking my question was too overly vague and that you can, in fact, be arrested for trespassing, for criminal trespassing on publicly accessible property. Hmm. We're starting to get into some of the meat of that. Okay. So anyway, these cases were left in um, because they're going to be important here. Um, but I'm not going to go over them. Now, here's the actual statute. Again, um, Foshin, were you given anything that maybe I just didn't see in the, what you sent over to me, but were you given anything that actually identified the charge, what the statute was you were charged with? Um, I don't believe, well, uh, yes, yes. And it, it was, uh, it was the trespass statute. So it was eight, uh, 10.09.2B. Oh, 09.2B. They're truly idiots. But anyway, we're going to look that up in just a second. Um, thank you for letting me know you're there. Uh, I keep calling you Double D. Direct D. Um, there's a business owner that I used to know, Double, Double D Ranch. And anyway, it's that's what I keep thinking of when I see the two Ds there, but my bad. Um, anyway, so... Um, I thank you for joining us today. I do really look forward to uh, being able to have a, a, an actual verbal dialogue about this. That'd be great, whether my channel or yours or whatever. I'd love to be able to have uh, engage in conversation on that. Um, okay, so um, anyway, time, place, and manner uh, to a certain degree. Uh, some of you that are focusing too much on time, place, and manner restrictions need to, I mean, just think about it this way. It's a common sense restriction. We talked about certain government buildings that are not open to the general public, like maximum security prisons and, you know, operating rooms of municipal hospitals and flight control towers, things like that. Those are the obvious examples where it does not make any sense for the general public just to be able to parade in and out as they see fit. But a city hall that's another story. Um, okay, so let me see here. Um, so you said zero nine. Uh, we'll have to look at the benefits of having him in the room versus uh, in another. Aha. So I'm going to have to look that up. So trespass on prep. Oh, and what's interesting is they have dash five here, but they have two B over here. They're not even consistent about which part of the statute it is. Okay, so we'll have to look at this, but in general, um, and this is the main, if you go to, uh, chapter 810 of the Florida state statutes, again, I'm not a Florida attorney. I'm just not an idiot who knows how to read. Okay. So you guys can do this too. Go to, uh, it, this is an example. Even if you don't live in Florida, look this up just to kind of walk yourself through, but open up Florida statutes and you can see all the, it'll probably give you the thing that gives you the titles and whatever, and all the chapters, like a table of contents. Look for chapter 810. That's going to be on burglary and trespassing. And the first, I want to say few are maybe focused on burglary. But if you get down to 810.08, that's really where we're talking about the trespass um, as it pertains to him. And I don't remember exactly what um, 09 is. I want to say it's, it's something other than a structure. What the heck do they think he was in? If City Hall is not a structure, what the heck is it? It's not a vacant lot. 
He's not out in the ocean. So they're dumb. But anyway, well, well the main point remains, and this is the context of uh, trespass, that um, basically that, and this is basically the same verbiage as it is in Michigan. But if you go into a building without proper authorization, um, you're not invited, you don't have legal authorization, whatever, uh, and you enter there, or if you remain there after, you know, you, you went in there thinking you had proper authority, but then your authorization to be there was supposedly taken away and you remain, you refuse to leave. Um, or if you can open the big door for a second, can you? Yeah, these guys are dumb. I was right. 09 is about... So basically, anyway, I'll finish my train of thought and then I'll um, get to what this is saying. But it's saying um, if you if you go onto somebody's property without the authority or you go onto their property thinking that you have the authority or maybe you do, but then the authority is revoked and you've been told, OK, now you're trespassing. Now you have to leave. If you refuse to leave at that point, you are criminally trespassing. But the person that tells you you have to leave, look at this. You have to be told by an authorized person to depart and refuse to do so. Okay. Now the part that they cited him for was that, um, on, uh, if you're trespassing on property other than a structure or conveyance, a structure is literally a building guys. It's a building. What the heck do they think city hall is? These guys are morons. I'm going to try. I said I was going to do no more name calling. Um, Anyway, the main premise is still from, because it, it still references trespassing, which you have to know what the definition of, and that's in 810.08. Um, in Michigan, I want to say it's 750.552, I believe. Um, I actually had to tell the arresting officer in my case when I was beat up in handcuffs in the back of his uh, vehicle, uh, as he was trying to find the magical statute about trespassing on election day, and I told him, no, you can either look at the election law in chapter 168, which will give you um, stuff that I'm not breaking the laws for because I'm more than 100 feet from the, the front door in Florida. Florida, it's 150. In Michigan, it's 100 feet from the front door of a poll. Um, I said, or you could just go to the general criminal laws and look under 750.552 and you'll find the general statute on criminal trespass. But again, I didn't violate that. So yes, I was actually giving the cop legal advice on what he could try to arrest me for when he clearly had no clue. Um, clearly, they had no clue here either. And Boshin uh, didn't uh, want to bother memorizing the statutes to tell them how wrong they were ahead of time because well, what difference does it make anyway, right? I'm still arrested. Okay, so now part 2C of this statute. Um, if the offender is armed with a firearm, let's look at this. This is not what happened here, but there's a reason why I'm pointing this out to you. If they are, if somebody goes in and they're trespassing, uh, with a gun, okay. And they're trespassing again, no legal authority to be there. They're trespassing. Um, then the owner or authorized person for prosecution purposes can take into custody and detain the person um that they reasonably believe is violating this paragraph now what does this mean a warrantless arrest a warrantless and and mind you i don't know if it was at the next page yes 
An authorized person, a person, person authorized includes a law enforcement officer. Okay. So even if it's a cop, they can make a warrantless arrest or detaining of someone. If there is a gun or other weapon, dangerous weapon present while you're trying to be somewhere that you have no legal authority to be, there's no weapon. Where's the exigent circumstances here? Again, these guys clearly have no idea what they're doing. Now, the other important part about this is that an authorized person is someone, including a law enforcement officer, is anyone, um, including a cop, who can communicate in order to depart the property in the case of a threat to public safety or welfare. First of all, public safety and welfare are not in the Constitution like they claim it is. So this whole public safety welfare crap we've talked about many times. There's no constitutional authority for that. But at any rate, uh, let's assume there is. Where was the threat to public safety or welfare because he stood there with a camera? Even a cop who is authorized by the statute still has to be able to give an order to depart in the case of a threat to public safety or welfare. Okay, so now I was right, 750.552. These tan slides are the ones, again, that I put together for you guys. I want to say last season when I was talking about my own case, but again, except for the exact citation number, they're the same. And they're gonna be the same most likely for you no matter what state you're in. Okay, so it was talking about subject matter jurisdiction in the Allegan case, so I left that part on there. And it's talking about me, Henry. Um, so um, not Foshin, but again, it's the same way. So in other words, to establish that he was guilty of this most recent offense of criminal trespassing, the prosecution must prove beyond a reasonable doubt every single element of the offense. So what are those elements? Now, I haven't been able to, wow, my mouse isn't working. Okay. Um, I haven't had a chance to look up the criminal um, uh, jury instructions here. Um, and if anybody wants to help us out, now I'm not a Florida licensed attorney, but if you would like me to help out uh, if you want to help me out while I continue to help other people out and where to look for these things to represent themselves, uh, if, if you want to hook me up with the criminal rules of procedure, and if you want to hook me up with the criminal uh, model jury instructions or even civil jury instructions here in the state of Florida, that would be amazing because I have those for Michigan, but I don't have those here in Florida. And the jury instructions, when I was working with Acura Amanda on her case and uh, West Palm Beach Free Press's case, uh, that was interesting because uh, we couldn't find a link. There was just a circular bunch of crap and it, it gave me a bad link in the end. And so even what was linking from the Mich or Florida Supreme Court's website does not actually take you to the jury instructions. So what a load of crap. At any rate, okay, so you have to remain on the property. Okay, he remained on the property. Uh, without lawful authority or or a good faith claim of lawful authority. What does that mean? It's the mens rea. You have to have the criminal intent. If you go somewhere, let's just, easiest examples, okay? We're going to stretch this example. Let's say he is a, a 93-year-old uh, retiree and he's got dementia and he goes into somebody's house and he thinks it's his own house. Uh, he thinks he has the right to be there. That's not criminal trespass, even though it's private property that clearly no one has the right to go into. It's not a crime. 
because the mens rea, the criminal intent to remain or to go into somebody's property without the lawful authority, that intent is not there. He's mistaken it, thinking it's his own house because he's got dementia at 93, okay? But he's not 93. He doesn't have dementia. He's a pretty cool dude. And he's a member of the general public going onto property that's open to the general public. So therefore, he has the lawful authority. All right. Now, after someone told her, again, I wrote this for, this was explaining my case, but told him to leave. Yep. Someone told him he had to leave. Um, and that person had lawful authority to remove. Just as the clerk in my case from the township in Allegan County, Michigan, uh, or the, the city case here, most recently for Foshan, did the security manager, did the person who called the cops, the city employee who called the cops, it was a woman, that's all we know, I think, um, or the cop himself, did any of the three of them have lawful authority to tell him he had to leave? No. They can't just do it because they say they want to. What part of the Constitution provides that authority? What part of, if you're saying it's a state law, what part of state law provides that authority and how is that state law supported by the Constitution? That is an important question. No matter what, a lot of you guys that seem to think all the, I don't know, I'll just say the the conspiracy theories about, you know, the uh, the birth certificates and the attorneys are bar members and they're all part of the British accredited registry and all this other, all, right? All, the courts don't have jurisdiction at all because of, a, okay, whatever. We disagree on a lot of that. But let me tell you that no matter what side of the fence you're on about that stuff or the Constitution or the political spectrum, no matter where you're at in any of that, remember, the government in our country, the government has no authority except for that which is derived directly from the people. Every Supreme Court, the state Supreme Courts, the U.S. Supreme Court, they've all reiterated this concept. It doesn't come from the courts, but they all have acknowledged this at some point that the power of the government, of any particular government agency or official, the power of the government comes from we the people. And the ultimate authority and source of power for the government is in the Constitution. That is the grant. That is the contract. If it's not in that grant of authority, then a state legislature or Congress can't create additional authority where it didn't exist. Because if the Constitution didn't give the government in general certain authority, then one branch of government can't then create it and pass it on to somebody else. So I hope you guys are getting what I'm saying. I hope that makes sense. All right. So I went through all that. Um, okay. Huh. I should stop getting ahead of myself. Um, feel free to laugh at me whenever you want. Uh, so the people start with the authority to act, okay? This goes to the point of lawful authority, our lawful authority to be there and their lack of authority to tell us to leave. The people start with authority to act unless a legal and constitutional restriction is created. And, and we kind of went over some of those examples. I'm not going to go into a bunch of detail, but for example, maximum security prison, okay? That is a constitutional restriction. It's legal. It makes sense. It's just common sense, okay? Um, that you can't go into, you, know, you have no free reign to just walk all over wherever you feel like in a maximum security prison, even though it's a government-owned property, okay? Um, trespassing. You can't exercise your rights in a way that stops someone else from exercising their own rights. Okay, that's really the whole purpose of government, right? 
we created this community. We created our 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 um, our government and our society so that we're protecting our property rights. And that the U.S. Supreme Court has said over and over and over again. So trespassing, it's just based on that, right? You can't exercise your rights in a way that's going to trample on somebody else's rights. So with my property, I put up a privacy fence, which the city is trying to make me take down, right? Or come and take it themselves without even paying me just compensation as required under the Constitution. But I put up my privacy fence so that it's clear. We had people walking through our backyard all the time when we first moved here. What? My, okay, my screen's doing weird things now. Um, oh, and I'm black. Oh, what happened to me? I mean, I, I got a much darker tan these days, but come on, come on computer. Oh, well, that's cool. I'm going to start a different camera guys. So give me a second. I'm not sure what's going on here. No, no. Oh, I had it for a second. Decided not to cooperate. That's cool. All right. What else? You guys don't need to see me. Um, okay, so um, let's see. Oh, let's see. Okay, sorry. Wow, you guys have been blowing up the chat, and I'm sorry I haven't been able to keep up on it. So hopefully, I'm not. Um, Okay, we're talking about shadow banning, all kinds of other stuff. Okay, anyway, you guys must be having all kinds of good conversations that I'm not privy to at this point, but that's fine. Okay, so um, I apologize that the camera feed isn't here. So those of you who are like me, hard of hearing and like to read lips, um, I did what I could. Maybe it'll come back on. I'm truly, I'm just not sure. I'll just turn it off, turn off my video for a minute and just there, at least you can see a teeny tiny picture of me. Um, at any rate, so um, the point is um, you can't exercise um, uh, your rights in a way that tramples somebody else's rights. So, you you know, I I can't go trample upon, I can't go all over my neighbor's property um, and when it's their property. That would be trespassing, right? That's in, interfering with their use of their own land. Now, government-owned property is held for use of the public. Government cannot restrict public access to property unless a law specifically allows for the restriction. There has to be a valid purpose for that, which we've talked about. So for all property open to the general public, and let's be frank, guys, this is the same whether it's owned publicly or owned privately. It could be Walmart, Sam's Club, Menards, Meyer, wherever part of the country you're from. Uh, if you, It could be the Target store, anything. If it's open to the general public, it doesn't matter if it's privately owned or not. This rule is still the same. If it's open to the general public, all members of the public have an equal right of access. That's guaranteed by fourth, 14th Amendment equal protection. Now, the First Amendment, specifically talking about speech, assembly, petition, protects a right of access to places traditionally open to the public. Okay? So... He wasn't soliciting signatures, so I'm going to skip that part. But that goes to the lawful authority, okay? So now as far as government having the authority, those, those people, did they have the authority to tell him he couldn't be there? Again, government was created by the people, acts on behalf of the people, and derives its authority from the people. So as we, the people, through our constitution created, we defined and limited the powers of government. And again, those anything you see in quotes from these slides, these are actual 
citations to Supreme Court cases that are in my briefs that I didn't want to bore you with when I threw the, this slideshow together originally. But anyway, um, we the people through the Constitution defined and limited the powers of government. So no government entity or government official has the authority to take any action unless it is specifically given to them, unless that authority is given to them in either the U.S. or state constitutions. So the clerk in my case or security manager or city employee in, in Foshin's case can um, at no point um, can point to no part of the U.S. Constitution or a state constitution or state law that gives them the authority to tell him he had to leave, just the same as in my case, they didn't have the authority to tell me I had to leave. Uh, local officials don't have endless authority to exclude. Just because they're the ones managing or supervising a property doesn't give them the right to exclude. And again, courts only have jurisdiction over trespassing or disturbing the peace where the accused had criminal intent. So there's no disturbing the peace even, which he's not charged with. But that's kind of the underlying thing is they're trying to say, oh, well, he was disturbing the peace. And uh, Direct D, if you're still watching, this kind of goes to what you were talking about on our YouTube back and forth dialogue that we had earlier um, on the true or false. But if we're talking about disturbing the, the use of that space or stopping other, interfering with others from using that space, that would be a, a disturbing the peace charge. That's not going to be a trespassing charge. Um, so if there's no threats of violence, there's no interfering with others, um, then there's no disturbing the peace either. Okay, so simply being there cannot be a charge unless it's not open to the general public. So um, again, the very idea of a, of a government Republican in form, which is what we have, Article 4, Section 4 of the U.S. Constitution, it implies the right of us as citizens to meet peacefully for consultation in respect to public affairs and to petition for re, uh, a redress of grievances. Now, this is exactly what he was doing on Friday. So he went there on Wednesday to just do his thing, right? Record. And the chick was being obnoxious. And I didn't see all the videos yet or whatever, but basically acting like he's doing something wrong. Okay. So whatever the reason is that he didn't like that visit, he's a member of the public. He wanted to do things the right way. He's not going to like protest her at her house or, you know, send nasty grams to her by her, you know, business email. No, he wanted to go make an official complaint and he wanted to know what the proper procedures were. What procedures did they have established so that he could make an official complaint there at City Hall? That's what he went back for on Friday, right? That's correct. So when he went back on Friday, in fact, I'm going to switch these around because if we can't even see me, might as well see you. Okay. Um, so he literally went back for the purpose of getting his grievances redressed, right? That's literally what the Supreme Court has been talking about in these cases. And that's exactly what he was there for on Friday or whatever day it was. I can't even. Anyway, um. There's too many days of the week and, and not enough time, and we, we try to do too many things. But anyway, um, at some point recently, that's what happened. The day that he actually got arrested was the day that he went to petition for redress of grievances. So, um, okay, basically, I just wanted to tell you guys, and I'm reiterating, these are court cases from the U.S. Supreme Court that traditional uses of public places like libraries, parks, streets, and facilities where government bodies meet, um, it's assembly, it's discussing public questions. That's the purpose of those buildings. So a government, a city, 
a township, they can't destroy by their own ipsy dixit, where they just make it up and say it is because they say it is. They cannot destroy by their own ipsy dixit the public forum status of a property. Now that's getting a little bit too much of the of the um, case precedent um, language talking about public forum, but in general, just being there, it's an equal protection issue. Um, and all parties have the right of constitutional access. So anyway, more cases, more stuff, lots, lots of lots of things to cite too. Uh, for any of you who are experiencing um, threats of, of being kicked out of public property, et cetera. Okay, so biggest things to keep in mind. The First Amendment does not guarantee access to property simply because it is owned and controlled by the government, but it does protect a right of access to places traditionally open to the public. I was going to try my video one more time, but whatever. I guess it's not going to cooperate. Um, so access can be denied to the public. Um, access may be denied to property not open to the general public, but not to property that is open to the general public, unless you are, number one, obstructing normal operations, or two, interfering with others' rights of normal use of the property. Uh, and Foshin, as far as I'm aware, you were not uh, even alleged to have been obstructing normal operations. Is that correct? No, they. I think what they said in the arrest affidavit was the the very act of recording was a was a disturbance. Uh huh. So the very act of recording is a disturbance. And I, I think that is, um, not that he says it, I think that is how they said it. The funny thing is the U.S. Supreme Court has long explained to these guys, uh, no, just because there's a watchful eye on you doesn't make that a disturbance. A disturbance, you know, even when there was were peaceful sit-ins in uh, the 60s where you had um, black men going into a public library in a portion that was supposedly reserved for white people uh that was you know they the librarians claimed that that was very menacing and threatening and it was causing a disturbance and they couldn't go about their normal tasks but even then many years ago the u.s supreme court said duh they weren't disturbing anyone they went in there to quietly sit just their presence just the watchful eye just their making of a statement is not a disturbance and it does not interfere with the, the use of the property or normal operations. So if you're excluded for doing one of these two things, if you are obstructing normal operations or interfering with others' rights of normal use of the property, you can be excluded by getting charged with disturbing the peace. In Michigan, it would be uh, MCL 750.167 or 170. I didn't pull up the the Florida statutes, but basically it's a disturbing the peace charge, right? If you're disturbing the peace, let's just use common sense, guys. Trespass is, did you have the legal authority to be there? And we've already covered that. You have the legal authority to be in any place open to the general public because you're a member of the general public. Um, if you're disturbing something, if you're disturbing the peace or the operations of the business or the whatever, uh, then that's a disturbing the peace charge, something totally different. Uh, again, regardless of ownership, 
This is from the U.S. Supreme Court, guys. Members of the public may not be excluded from property open to the public through the use of trespass laws. You can't use a trespass law to kick somebody off a property that they otherwise have the right to be there. It's as simple as that. So I'll, so for anybody that was giving me a hard time earlier, I hope I've now explained it in a way that you understand what I'm getting at. This isn't some other law they're charging him with. They're not charging him with a disturbing the peace. They're charging him with trespass. So, um, just reading a, a comment, you guys, on YouTube that procedures to follow and reasons that an individual can be trespass warned from public property. Um, so Pasco County, Florida, they're talking about a county organ, ordin, ordinance. Um, yeah, so I guess that's something that needs to be challenged and fought and brought all the way back up because these guys are idiots. In fact, just go ahead and file a, a 42 section 1983 claim for a conspiracy to violate your rights. Um, 18 USC section um, 241. Um, at any rate, it, it, People need to do something about it, and it's not just attorneys. Um, but if you're an attorney watching this, step up and do something too. So anyway, I'm not sure if there was anything else that I, wow, my thing did not scroll on there. So, okay. Uh, Volusia County has the same ordinance, and if he wasn't, whoa, okay. I don't know where that went. We weren't disclosing the lo exact location for a reason, guys. So in case you missed that comment earlier when people were asking, we're purposely just calling it the city. Uh, because we're trying to reduce the uh, potential likely doxing that's going to come out of this as it's already been a thing uh, with haters on YouTube that don't like the truth and don't like government accountability. Um, and they're trying to make it personal for Foshin. We're trying to keep some of the, the specifics away for now to let some time pass. And, and anyway, uh, Volusia County has the same ordinance. And if he wasn't trespass warned properly before being arrested for criminal trespassing, wouldn't that make the criminal trespass null and void? Okay. I really hope this comment came before, um, before I just went through all this, but there is no level of warning that makes it okay. I don't care if there's an ordinance or a state law or whatever. You cannot be held criminally responsible for trespassing on property open to the general public, period. I don't care what ordinance there is. I don't care how many pictures and drawings and warnings they put up there. I don't care if they give him a whole three hour lecture about, you know, what a warning is and where he can be and where he can't be. If it's open to the general public, he cannot be criminally charged with trespassing, period. All right. I'm frustrated because I want you guys to know this. Let me ask, let me ask, um, since I can't really hear from you guys that are out there in the audience, if they're, you know, it, it's different than when I do a presentation and there's, you know, a couple hundred people and everybody can raise their hands and ask questions and we can have more of a clear dialogue. It's, I can't always see the hand being raised essentially uh, here in the comments. So let me pause for a second. Foshin, is what I'm saying so far, does it make sense or am I maybe a little too far ingrained that I'm not explaining? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's crystal clear to me it makes perfect sense to me um that's that's all i've got though is what okay. it makes to me <laughs> okay well at least at least that's something okay so um 
So again, this was something I basically had pulled out of my brief. It's from a, a prior presentation I gave. Um, so it's worded for my case, but it applies for his. That's why I left it on here. So um, uh, with my case, since I was not impeding normal town hall operations or the rights of others, I was not disturbing the peace. And being on property open to the general public, I was not trespassing. Nor may my exclusion be pursued through trespass charges. My mere presence then was unquestionably lawful, leaving the clerk or security guard or whomever no authority to remove me. And that is the Brown case the United States Supreme Court talked about in the 60s. Um, I don't remember if that's the Louisiana v. Brown now. I cited like 300 cases in that brief, so you'll have to look at the brief and at the table of contents, uh, table of authorities, excuse me. But you'll all the information that you need is there. You just need to look at that brief, which hint, hint, even though it's already on my website, that brief, that specific brief is one of the freedom fighting tools I'll be sharing again with you on Friday. And uh, two of the court cases that I rely on heavily to make these points, even though you don't have to have cases to understand what the law is, if you want to speak their language, cases can help. And so these two cases that I'm sharing on Friday are some of them that I rely on most heavily to speak their language about these very points. So um, I'm, <laughs> um, I'm real dense and it's making good sense to me. Thank you, Melanie, for clarifying that on YouTube. I appreciate that. Um, okay, so, and Bill Smith says something about the amended, amended complaint, like if they're gonna try to um, add a charge. Now, keep in mind, um, in my case, I was actually, I kept hammering on these points that it's, you know, if anything, they'd have to charge disturbing the peace. I, I didn't fit the definition of that anyway, but if anything, they don't have to add that. Funny thing is, um, they actually, the day before my, one of my trial dates, one of my many trial dates that they set for me, we're prepping for trial. We had gone all the way back up to Michigan, the whole nine yards. And we're there, I'm sitting in another attorney's office preparing for my trial. He's kind enough to let me use his office space. And I get an email from the court. They never even served me with an amended complaint, but there was an amended complaint just with attachment of this email that said um, that they were adding a disturbing the peace charge almost a whole year later. Is that not insane? Of course, the disturbing the peace charge was predicated on the same facts of me being able to have the right to be there and was I causing a disturbance and everything else. You guys can see how that hearing went out uh, actually shortly. I heard, Foshan, did you hear through the grapevine that I, I somebody somehow had access to my court uh, videos and they were posting them? I watched your dismissal last week. Oh. Yeah, it was great. It made the judge kind of look like a moron because he hadn't reviewed the evidence at all through the whole thing. Yeah. Despite explicitly saying that a year and a half prior on the record. And before we get started, Miss Henry, I just want you to know I've read everybody's briefs. Oh, so that means you clicked on exhibit eight, which was the video? Cool. Or seen the photos that were like exhibits four, five, seven, and nine or something. I mean, yeah. Anyway, um, so you guys will have access to that soon too, I think. Um, some of it might already be out there. I just personally didn't do that because a whole nother a uh, whole nother illegal and unconstitutional act on the judge that we're going to resolve at some point here. Anyway, um, just wanted to point you guys to, um, again, some basics. The Fifth Amendment, 
don't underestimate these, you guys. You cannot be deprived of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, not gamesmanship, not we don't like that you violated this regulation that we made, so we're making it a crime and telling you now that you're trespassing in a place that you cannot be criminally trespassed from, and we're all just going to accept it and say that it's okay. Guys, listen to this. It's Some of you are caught in the descriptive versus the normative. Well, this happens all the time. No shit, Sherlock. It, they violate the laws all the time. Cops, judges, lawyers, people. Our system is broken and we have to work to repair it. We have to hold them accountable. What I'm doing is explaining to you not just what they're doing to violate the law. I'm telling you what the law is. So don't go around excusing it anymore by, by uh, spreading the, well, this happens and yeah, you could be charged for this. No, you can't. You are not allowed to be charged with trespassing on property that's open to the general public, period. Put the period in that before you share that thought with anybody else. And you can give them all the citations, whatever you want to pull from this to share that with them and bolster that so they can understand why it's been the settled point of law for 70 years plus in this country. Okay? cannot be deprived life liberty or, or property without due process of law and again i left it in there from the florida and michigan constitutions um i also left in this now this whole this uh next chunk of of uh tan slides it's going to be interesting because i want to see what potion's thoughts are and he, he probably hasn't even gotten this far mentally to think about what it's going to look like but if they're stopping him you know they they gave him a hard time at my hearing He's actually at the end, thankfully, um, but they gave him a hard time for having a, a, a recording device there from my hearing that we had on on our property for Ormond Beach here. Um, and so it, and it was like this whole big thing. And, and they didn't end up pursuing anything with it. It was more of just intimidation factor. But if they're going to try to do that again. Uh oh, What I do? See if she can go to that uh, camera. See it. If uh, me? No, Lori. Lori, see if you can bring that other camera up, and then they can see Catherine again. Oh, so should I mute? I muted the phone. Something is still echoing. Because I shouldn't have gotten. Okay, I don't know if you guys. Oh, speaker. Is that your volume? I'm probably not doing the volume. Okay, guys. Ah, it seemed to work. Did I not? Did I mess it up? No, you're good. All right, guys, hang in there with us for a second. We were going to try to bring some sort of uh, video back here. Um, Let's see, some video.
Are we still getting echo? It's still getting sound for some reason. I don't know. Interesting. Man, I'm sweating my ass off in here. We actually have the AC on too. Yeah, it's fucking around for some reason. Okay. Sorry. Is it? I can't even talk. <laughs> <laughs> uh, give us a second, guys. We're just trying to figure this out. Um, okay. I think we got it. Okay. So sorry, guys. Um, you don't get to see me melting in my office here. But um, anyway, so this whole next big chunk I put in here is a CYA thing. Now, if if he happens to release any information on the details of any hearings as he gets notified of them, um, if he does release those, I'm going to ask you guys to figure out a way to get there and support him. Um, just the same way that I had people that came to my hearings and supported me because I know for a fact the pressure was on the prosecutor's office and the courts in general, not to mention just that individual judge when they knew. I mean, our hearings, uh, we had a pre-trial or a status conference hearing um, by Zoom in, um, in July of 2021. And they knew the prosecutor was already arguing about, well, you know, they're trying to tamper with the, with the, you know, with witnesses because they're going to have people standing outside of the courthouse with shirts to support Catherine Henry and restore freedom signs. Are you kidding me? That's what is tampering. At any rate, the judge luckily decided to, you know, bring them down a peg for how ridiculous they were being and, and basically trying to deny me having the public there. Um, but they tried to twist it and turn it. So the, the best thing we could do is continue to let them know it's a watchful eye. Um, so anyway, that's what this is all in there for, because these were things, um, and we had discussed these uh, points all in a few different episodes last year, um, talking about the pub publicity of trials, that uh, there's an open forum of public trials uh, and what the purpose of that is for. Um, and that prior restraint. So if he's told he can't uh, share or record, that's considered a prior restraint and um, that there has to be some reasonable uh, you know, use of being able to do that. So anyway, that's what I left all these in here for. When you guys get to that um, on uh, Thursday when we release the slideshow, uh, I have all that kind of information. That's what this set of tan slides is all about. Um, and so um, anyway, so Foshan, I, I hope that those will be useful to you as you kind of look through and decide what strategies you want to use. I mean, it all depends on how many fights you want to fight in this whole big thing, right? Because um, it's one thing to take on the illegal actions of a cop or whatever, or the city hall. It's, a, it's another thing to take on the illegal actions of a judge. Uh, been there, done that. So anyway, just wanted to at least to have that information. Um, okay, so what are the rights to consider in a situation like this, whether it was his case, my case, your upcoming case that you don't know is coming? Uh, your right to equal protection. Equal protection. And, and this was a must be that I pulled from an old slide. So I was just focusing on the Michigan and U.S. constitutions. But of course, it's in your state constitution as well. If you're in another state, uh, certainly it is here in Florida. But we have the right to equal protection of the law. We have the right to due process. We are guaranteed a Republican form of government. These are all things to consider that go into whether you could be criminally charged with trespassing and property open by, uh, owned by uh, and open to the public. Um, and you have the right to be informed of the nature and cause of the accusation. This piece from the Sixth Amendment, this goes uh, this week to the conversation about trespassing because the trespass charge itself has certain elements that have to be met. We already talked about those elements. Those elements have nothing to do with recording. 
those elements have nothing to do with, um, you know, any any other, you know, whatever they want to come up with as restrictions for just publicly being present in in property open to the general public. Now, I just left this in there for uh, for your reference, uh, for Foshin's reference, for your reference, whatever. Um, what are the general steps in a criminal trial? Okay, there's um, this is the trial itself. Um, these are things that you just want to think about. We're not actually talking about trial yet. Um, but uh, I haven't done a full episode on trial and what those pieces look like, but it's just kind of a sneak peek at some of the, the elements and what steps you'd be looking for. Everything we've been talking about is um, essentially just about the arrest, about arraignment, about um, the charges, the, the initial um, charges in the first place. So um, at this point, brainstorming, answering questions. Um, I know we've already had some good back and forth and talk about different things with people from the crowd, so to speak. Um, and uh, thanks to Roger Sullivan on Facebook for joining us today. I'm just seeing uh, some of your comments. Um, always good to know when I make complete and total sense. Um, just remind my kids and husband of that as well, if you could, please. Um, and um, oh, let's see. Um, Okay. It looks like that was the end. Oh, no, it just stopped scrolling for me for no reason. So, um, a patriot, a patriot is, I can't even talk. A patriot, a resistance fighter is releasing the videos. Where can we view these and how titled? I think this comment, um, on YouTube was getting to, um, perhaps the hearings from my Allegan County case. Um, and, uh, we will definitely be sharing those, uh, onto, um, our social media when, when we have seen that they're out there. Um, because, um, you know, I have, I have my DVDs. I, I haven't even viewed the DVDs that they made me pay for and then illegally ordered me not to share with anybody. Um, I haven't even touched them yet, but, um, Anyway, I did hear that uh, other people had other ways of getting the footage um, as members of the media and that a few different members of the media, uh, the, the non-mainstream media, uh, is going to be uh, sharing it. So um, anyway, I will be sharing their posts or their links uh, with you guys about that so you have access to that. And, and you'll always be able to resort back to our website. We try to make sure everything's always on the website so you can search in one place for everything. Um, all right. Um, and, uh, thank you to Surveyor Raw, um, who had to run, but appreciated our, um, information that we had to share today. We appreciate you joining us as well. Um, okay. So I, I'm not sure if I missed anything. Um, if I missed a comment, question, concern, um, that did not get addressed. I'm not trying to overlook you. Maybe it'll come back again. Maybe we'll still get it. Um, but before I go anywhere else, I wanted to first ask, um, Foshin, did you have any questions that, um, we didn't get to answer yet for you about, you know, the basics of being arrested, what an arraignment looks like and when that's supposed to happen, what kinds of things you could be looking at. I kind of alluded to a motion to dismiss um, based on subject matter jurisdiction, if, if it's a, if it's a trespass, I guess I didn't link all those pieces together, but, um, that's why I said there's so much. Um, but basically I'm saying one of your big next steps is going to be filing a motion to dismiss because the court does not have jurisdiction. They don't have subject matter jurisdiction because, uh, it's not a crime 
to be present where the general public is allowed to be present during the time they're allowed to be there. So um, at any rate, that was my basics on what your next step should be. Did you have any thoughts or questions we didn't talk about or touch on yet? Uh, no, I don't think so. I, I think that uh, having that as a nice starting point, having a case number so that I can actually file a motion is a positive uh, Big improvement in, in this case. So um, no, that's going to be that's going to be my next step. And for those of you uh, for Foshin or for those of you following along at home uh, now or later on a podcasting platform or whatever, um, the slideshow, when I share this with you on Thursday, um, <clears throat> the slideshow, and again, to those of you who have not watched uh, or really paid much attention to our Constitution segment recaps on Thursdays, it, I try to keep that video 10 minutes or less to recap the main highlights of what we talked about in the full show from today, for example. And then I, I also have in there, at least this season, um, and we somewhat did it a little bit last season, but we'll continue doing it this method where I have um, a slideshow available to you. So um, I'm talking as part of the video, you know, but there's also a slideshow I'm walking you through. You don't just get to see the slideshow in the video. The link for the slideshow itself is in the description of the comments or the description of that that video or whatever. So um, make sure to click on that so you can see both the video and um, the slideshow itself to be able to you know click on all these hyperlinks and check out all those resources. Um, but the real document, real case document examples, um, if you go to that resources tab, you'll be able to see case documents. It should be the very first um, option for you to click on on that page. I have a lot of stuff that still says coming soon because it's me. Uh, it's I'm a one woman show, basically. Um, Mike helps where he can. Lori does what she can. But I'm the one that writes the whole stinking website and puts it all together. And, and if there's coding to figure out or, you know, APIs to try to use or whatever, it's me. And it's over my head a lot of times. So bear with me, guys, on that. Um, you can always donate so I can use stuff that's not free and it'll help me go faster to get resources out to you. But at any rate, I'm doing what I can. At any rate, so um, the next bullet point on this slideshow um, is um, the Allegan County Election Day case. That's where I pulled a lot of the stuff that I talked about today, the case, the case precedent. And specifically, the um, Allegan County uh, Substantive Due Process Brief. Um, so I, I have it as restorefreedomkh.com slash ACSDP. Um, but anyway, all these links, th these are hyperlinks that you'll be able to click on right out of the slideshow on Thursday. Just wanted to let you know that. Um, so you can check it out, grab what you need. Um, again, if you do see a Michigan case, um, know that at least everything we talked about today, there will be a case in your own jurisdiction that covers the same points. You just have to look and find it. Um, but um, at any rate, the rest of them, the bulk of them are U.S. Supreme Court cases that we've talked about today, so they would be applicable in your jurisdiction. Um, and so these are the sections of that brief that I wanted to highlight for you. Um, these are the, um, you know, the various pieces of the brief that, that I pulled from the most in preparing for today's topic. So if you wanted to follow up, um, the brief itself might be overwhelming because it's long, it's 60 pages, but you can click right in the table of contents on these specific sections and uh, jump right to those and just look at those and take it from there. Um, okay, so again, our true or false question of the day, 
you may be excluded, true or false, you may be excluded from property open to the general public through the use of trespass laws. In other words, it's possible to commit the crime of trespassing on property open to the general public. I hope by now you have the answer. And if you do, check out our Telegram or YouTube channels, t.me slash restorefreedom or youtube.com slash restorefreedom and answer the poll for today. Um, any guesses, Foshin, on what the answer is? I'm going to uh, go out on a limb here and say that uh, it's false. He's going out on a limb to say that it's false. And you guys that have watched these for the last two years or more, um, I used to do true or false questions even before I started focusing solely on freedom fighting work. Um, I've never written an answer this long, but I did this because of Direct D and our interactions. Uh, I think it was yesterday or today, whatever it was. Um, so I put this together, but basically false. So just to tie in all the stuff we talked about today, you cannot be lawfully excluded from a property open to the general public through the use of trespass laws. The First Amendment does not guarantee access to property simply because it is owned or controlled by the government, but it does protect the right of access to places traditionally open to the public. Thus, you cannot be denied access to property open to the general public unless you are, number one, obstructing normal operations, or two, interfering with the other's rights of normal use of the property. If you do that, you can then be charged with disturbing the peace, but you cannot be excluded from property open to the general public through the use of trespass laws. And because I pulled from two different uh, court cases, I just simply cited to the U.S. Supreme Court from 1968 and 1981 for those pieces there. Um, if you uh, want to learn more about this topic, please check out our Wednesday Way to Get Involved Challenge tomorrow. Uh, probably be super helpful, especially this week, for you to go ahead, check out that Constitution segment recap this Thursday, including having access to this very slideshow and all the hyperlinks that are in there to the documents, court cases, you name it. There's a ton of hyperlinks in this week's version. Um, and of course, coming back on Friday for the posts that we'll make on social media and our website for our freedom fighting, our Friday freedom fighting tools that we'll share with you um, then. And Saturday, as always, we have a way for you to either donate or just support in general by buying an item at our cost, what it costs us to make it and get it shipped to us, um, like the Restore Freedom um, window decals um, and um, whatever else we have on there. I don't even remember. Oh, the pop sockets. These things are super, oh, my camera doesn't work. Um, I'm going to hand that over to Foshin um, so he can show you how, uh, I never know how where to hold it in mind. So <laughs> it is a super awesome uh, pop socket. It makes it super easy to hold and record if you're, say, First Amendment auditing, just for example. But anyway, um, so please do check that out. And we've made it through all 67 slides and it only took us two hours. Oh, my gosh. <sighs> Um, Mike had a good question. Mr. Henry had a very good question yesterday or earlier today, whatever day it was, I was telling him about the topic for today and asking him what his thoughts are. And he had a good question about de-escalation, but we're two hours in and he didn't pipe up on here with his own comments. So what I would say is, and it's actually something that Lori independently had some sort of, um, she mentioned earlier that it was a question that we should go over. Um, I, we just don't have time to talk about it. That probably could be its its own show. 
where we talk about that. But um, basically, it, it was the point of not are you legally right, but what is most important in that moment? Is it for you to be able to get back home to your kids? Is it you know what what's important? So for example, in my case. When I went to the scene, I really didn't think that I was going to get arrested. I thought I was stopping my clients from getting arrested. And I did do that. I did my job. Um, but uh, in the moment when he's, as soon as I get on scene, instead of talking to me like we agreed on, then he's just threatening to arrest me. I was going to stand my ground because it was more important. I wasn't going to leave. If I left, then he was going to make her leave. And that was the whole reason why we were there is to utilize those liberties of free speech and uh, assembly and petitioning our government for redress of grievances. We are collecting signatures on a constitutional amendment petition. I mean, hello, it's the epitome of all those activities. And with that being said, um, what changed it for me, it wasn't that I wanted to back down, but when I realized in the moment things were changing because they did not have the right to arrest me. They certainly didn't have the right to violently arrest me without a warrant. They had no right to tow my car ever, even if they claimed, even if I did what they claimed, if I was trespassing with my car, I would have to have six unpaid um, or, you know, basically bad violations uh, in order for my car to be towed. I would have had to have six other convictions first before they even towed my car. I can't even turn off. Oh, yeah. Um, so... And any, I was like, that sounds so familiar. It sounds like fine. Um, and you guys can't even see me because my camera's not working. So I'm all worried about what I look like and gesturing and it's all great. It's like the best camera footage you ever didn't, never didn't see. But anyway, um, what changed for me in that moment was that they also didn't have the, the legal right to take my daughter. They had no legal right to do that. There were adults on scene that I trusted to take my child, any of the females, at first it was just a bunch of women that were there, any of them. I knew Rebecca, I knew Doreen, I knew Lacey. Lacey came out just because she saw somebody else's live uh, and saw that I was at her township where she had just gone to vote and came back home. She was right around the corner. She came right back just for me. I knew her, my daughter knew these women. Uh, they refused to let my husband be called so he could come and get her and even then, um, he did make it on scene. I had uh, our friend Frank show up. My daughter could have been with any one of those people and they refused to leave my daughter in their care or my car. I said, just let me give my car keys over to these ladies because they can take care of my car. They could take care of my daughter. And so if you're going to illegally arrest me, okay, that's one thing. But when they were going to break the law and they put my daughter's uh, safety at risk, I didn't know what they were going to do. And this was the height of COVID. We know the craziness and the things they were doing to people. I was not about to let them exercise any dominion or control over my daughter, who was six years old at the time. No way in hell. Um, that's what changed it for me. That's why you hear me in the video pleading with them at that point. Well, number one, let me go and vote and, you know, let me bring my daughter home. Those were the things I was worried about. Um, if I could even stall long enough till my husband would get there, well, then I don't have to worry about my daughter or my car. Um, so then it's just a matter of letting me vote before the polls close. But at any rate, um, for me, my priorities were changing as I realized what laws they were now breaking. They were changing things in, in the moment. Now, luckily for Foshin, he didn't have anything where it's implicating, you know, the safety of his children or, you know, a timely right, like the right to vote on election day or 
you know, them taking his vehicle or anything like that, at least as far as I know so far, he hasn't told me about anything like that. So he didn't have to pick um, which right is now the most important that he's trying to protect. So he just stood his ground. And what's important is to be able to have that discussion on when should you stand your ground, not legally, but when it's practically the best for you in that moment, how can you best protect yourself and your family? Um, and what is the best to do short term and long term? So anyway, that's a discussion that Mike wanted me to bring up. And um, it's probably something that could take an entire episode. I just wanted to let you guys know that what we were talking about today is a legal right to be somewhere. It's about what you legally have the right to do. If your particular circumstance necessitates acting uh, in a way that basically is backing down from exercising that right and you deem that's what's in your best interest, that's up to you. But we're just talking about what the laws are. So um, again, I'm super glad that you guys can't see me. Sweating terribly badly today. So maybe it was working out that my camera is off. But um, at any rate, hopefully it stops messing around next week and we don't have these issues. But um, oh my gosh, thank you, Lori. So Lori's reminding me of something even more important. Hey guys, I said next week, next week my camera won't be on because it'll be off. Why? Because we're taking the Memorial Day weekend and doing some stuff. I also have an appellate brief to write to save my fence, my uh, pavers, and my two shipping containers. So um, I will be working on that brief um, intently because I have a week and a half to get that filed. Um, so anyway, next week we will not have a show. We won't have a constitution segment recap, et cetera. But, um, and the following week, um, I think it's Tuesday, June 5th, maybe. June 6th. Um, keep in mind, we're going to try to go live at noon, but we're going to be in Michigan. And uh, we're, we're trying to interview my freedom fighting friend, uh, Ottawa County Commission uh, board member, Joe Moss. And, um, and he's been on all, all kinds of national media. So this is like a real privilege, but uh, I knew him first. And so we're going to try to do an episode about the change that he and my group of friends from freedom fighting circles up there in Ottawa County, Michigan, what they've been doing, how they've been doing it, how they ousted an entire board that had been violating their rights, especially all during COVID. So um, anyway, that's what we're going to try to do. Not next week because we're off, but the week after that, we may have to change the time. If it's a morning meeting for the county commissioners, he wasn't sure which time it was going to be at yet. If it's a morning meeting, we're going to have to do a later show because it's not going to be done by noon. They go three, four hours easily at these meetings uh, because they're fighting for freedom for every point on the agenda. Um, anyway, so if that's the case, we'll let you know. Otherwise, if it's an evening uh, uh, commission meeting that they have that day, then we'll we should be able to stick at the noon time for that day, which is two weeks from today. All right, guys, thank you so much. Thank you for all of your support. Uh, we really appreciate it. And um, I uh, thank you for joining. Make sure to hit that like button, share button, subscribe button, donate button, of course. Uh, check out Foshin's uh, channel on YouTube. This is a public service, as well as checking out all of our other stuff on the other platforms, Restore Freedom, or going to our website, restorefreedomkh.com. Thank you so much, everybody. Have a wonderful day.